Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey, it's Molly McAleer, and you are listening to Season 4 of Mother May I Sleep With Podcast. Hi, it's Malls. This is an Anne Amish murder. Starring? Nev Campbell. Our goddess. Starring Max Wyatt, our, our god. Our second god. The second god is two, one Nev Campbell. This is, it's going to be a lot of Nev. Tonight. And our second season winner was Suburban Madness. Yay! So, you know, our girl from Suburban Madness, um, what was her name? God She's bless. free. She's free. She's free. So everyone out there in our, in our listenership and Nacho Expert Nation, for all of you out there, she's free. So make sure that you guard your husbands. Yep. But also pay respect and be respectful. If you're cheating with someone, you she might. She only ran him over, what, like half a dozen times? She was very, I thought, very sweet to him. I thought she held back. She, I thought she was very sweet as well. So this is um, a movie that we decided to watch. We were doing a Patreon-only episode just because we are recording without Sammy. And I thought, you know, we did the Anna Nicole episode where you guys got to kind of see a little bit of what a Patreon episode will be like. I'm not sure that we'll be cutting in audio clips to this. I think it's just going to be the two of us. But we chose this movie just because it is Nev Campbell. Which we've always wanted nice things for and continue to do so. We both love the movie Scream. Uh, wait, which is your favorite Scream? Um, Scream 1. Oh, Scream, Scream 2 is mine. See, okay, so Scream 2 is great. Um, Scream 4, I think, is awesome as well. The problem I have with Scream 4 is that the hair was so extreme in the first three. It was so boring. Come 2011, there's no red streaks. Right. You know, I mean, like, Courtney Cox's hair should have had an Oscar for those movies. It, it is true. It is true. And it's also, like, the um, union of the Cox Arquettes. Oh, what a union it was. I mean, truly, honestly, like, can you imagine just, like... On top of already having whatever emotional and spiritual baggage any one of us that's of a certain age brings into the Scream series. <laughs> yes. Because it was. Like, all of us, like, had a make-out to that. Or it was, like, the movie that you watched with your crush. Or, like, it was the movie that, like, your mom finally let you have a sleepover with, like, the friends that you weren't allowed to hang out with. And we all watched that movie. Like, Scream was very for, – for my age, I'm 35 now. It was very – um formative for me and so was actually Wes Anderson or what sorry Wes Craven sorry Wes Anderson <laughs> Wes Craven as a filmmaker for sure well because sure. such an empower well the character and this we're getting to an Amish murder but the character of Sydney is such a badass hero not what I love is all the killers are always saying you're a victim you're a victim and she's I never know. really that you know she's the survivor Oh, it's just so well, intense. It's the archetype of all horror movies. And I will say, I love Jerry O'Connell in Scream 2. Oh, He's yes. great. But my favorite movie... And Laurie Metcalf and Jackie is... Oh, Laurie Metcalf is everything. <laughs> and that white suit, when she wears the white lidded suit. I did rewatch Scream 2 recently, and I saw my... I re-saw my favorite movie moment, um, which was a bunch of guys about... Right when Jamie Kennedy gets pulled into the van... <laughs> 
a bunch of guys with a boombox, yeah. sort of like skirt, skirt. Like one black guy, one black guy, two white guys. Yeah, and they sort of like are doing a little break dancey thing with a boombox on the shoulder, which was not um, relevant to the times, really. Not at all. It was this amazing move that they do to completely block. Like it's as everyone on the quad is so entranced by this boombox movement that no one noticed Jamie Kennedy. Um, actor, big actor of the time. I want to say Waterboy, but that's not it. Without a paddle. Yeah. Do you remember that film paddle. with him and Matthew Lillard? Yes. And also Jamie Kennedy was, um, was he great in, um, of course, can't, uh, can't hardly wait. No, Jamie Kennedy's not in that. Oh, it's Seth Green. Seth, those two get, I'm confused by. You're right. And also, so Jamie Kennedy dated, um, Star of The Client List, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Who is also a great survivor, but not as great as Nev. It's different. It's different. We're not going to compare them. However, no, we will we say want, they're yeah. both Party of Five girls. Yes. Which, yeah? shout out to the reboot, CW. Bringing it all back. Bring so, it <laughs> But that said, I, I will say I love Jamie Kennedy, and I love his chapter in The Day I Shot Cupid, which is Jennifer Love Hewitt's book about relationships. It's really, really good if you are... Looking for something that's a little bit off the rails, a little bit crazy. Um, it's very interesting. And I do wish Jennifer Love Hewitt, Nev Campbell, I'm sure Nev will be speaking about you a lot more throughout this. Through for, for hours. All of you, I, I wish you're great. No, we're not going to do an hour, hours, hours thing. Oh, on because hours. Because it's just us. So basically, what we find out through the very beginning of this mm. is this is an Amish murder, okay? Mm. Said in Ohio. It's based on a book called Sworn to Silence, mm. which you pointed out to me that this whole movie was allegedly, according to you, a backdoor pilot, which for those of you out there who don't know what it is, it means basically a pilot that was intended to introduce a series. The best example that I can come up of with that is probably Nano 210, yeah. which was a backdoor pilot where it was a two-hour pilot over one night. They just did like a two-hour block of 90210, and then I think they ran the next night the first real episode. Yeah. So what is another example of a backdoor pilot for so, people who don't like know? So, like B. Arthur, star of the Golden Girls, as you may or may not know, was first on Maud, mm-hmm. was her head show, but Maud was actually a spinoff of All in the Family. Okay. She played Cousin Maud for a very special episode right. where Maud fights Archie. Okay. And then the character of Maud was so beloved, it was just a one-off on season of All, All in the Family, became its own show that ran for eight years. Right, right, right. So we also have drawn the comparison of like Beverly Hills 90210 leading us into the and backdoor I, pilot for And isn't Melrose Falls. isn't Melrose place a spinoff of 90210? I feel like one of them works. I do believe that is the case. I know it's they're both Aaron Spelling shows. I know they're both in Beverly Hills. I can't say that with confidence, but I don't think that that's incorrect. I think it was like Dylan carried them over. Yeah. Was it Dylan or Jenny Garth carried them over? Or I even think Tori Spelling was an intern at Okay. The, one of the office or something, but there is definitely a connection. Melrose Place is a blind spot for me because it was like they were so adult when yeah. I was a child. Like 90210 was already like, oh, I'm watching like the bad kids. Yeah. But like when I, when it was like fully Melrose Place, I was like, this is out of control. Yeah, that's too much. People need to like dial it in. Special yeah. guest star Heather Locklear for all seasons she appeared, which I would love that title, just special guest star, even if you're a main cast member. I know. What a great title. And then she went on to Spin City and that's where everything kind of fell apart. No, she had the perfect man after that and then it fell apart. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, Heather. So we open up right away on Neve sprinting through Amish country, and we get to see this beautiful view of, like... It's winter. 
Mm-hmm. People are doing all the Amish things. They're churning butter. They're fucking smacking bricks with sticks. I don't know what it is they do, but it looks fucking so exhausting and boring. Yeah, and Nev looks great. She's in black with, I believe, a purple head uh, headband. Right. And that was what's that was the only what was so crazy about this movie. It's very it's very quiet in tones. I mean, mm-hmm. if you see a taupe, you should be excited because the colors are so lacking. But Nev always has one or two vibrant color pieces. She likes a purple. She loves a purple, which I've always loved people who love purple because it's the sign of royalty. Yes. The, the royals always wear purple. So I feel like you have a sense of self-worth, mm-hmm. which so many people don't. Yes. I have purple right now. My nails are a little bit jacked right now. I just got them. Mm, I don't want to talk about it. No. So when you see her running through this thing, you're like, okay, she seems to know that there are Amish people, but she seems very far removed from it. What's her, what could her relationship possibly be? Then we find out she gets a little like bloop, bloop. And it turns out that it is, um, there's a, there's an issue. They need to all get to a certain place. Um, so we cut to a, the local police station. And the local police station looks like a bed and breakfast. It looks like a cozy bed and breakfast. Mm-hmm. But remember, first that man, the police officer. This was less important to me. Oh, finding okay. the shoe! Finding the shoe. Actually, let's let's take this back a step. You're right. Okay, so he sees some cows, and the yeah, cows yeah. come back at the last second. Yeah, we have to, at the last second he sees them. Fuck, you're right. So he sees some cows, and then he spots like a sporty Mary Jane. It was very sporty. It was like, I was like, this is either like, oh, she's like, I'm fucking hiking in a field and I want to look cute. Or it's like, oh, I'm having a Delia's moment and I'm just trying to or that chunk was the only thing Mary left, Jane. Or that was the only thing left at the, you know, halfway house that her parents took her to to buy some shoes. For sure. For sure. Um, so we go to the police station that looks like a bed and breakfast. Um, we sit, find out the cop found a loose shoe in the road and it concerns him. Should. Yeah. Um, pants to the body. It, so... We're not there yet. Oh, I apologize. Um, there is no body yet. So he finds – now we see – okay. So now he finds a body. <laughs> now the body is um, And it's a young girl stripped down to a nighty type thing and her skirt is pulled down and there's bruising on her wrist. So Neve is the second on the scene and she runs home like right away. They, they're like, Neve, you got to get over here, bitch. Did and you notice like, the jump she did? Either her or the stunt double where she's on the bottom step and jumps all the way to the top when she's running in the house. That – yeah. I was so impressed. It was like Neve or yeah. Neve's stunt. Yeah. So she's like, honey, I've got to like, I'm not just jogging here today, okay? I'm the chief of police. You might not know this about me yet, but like get ready to find out how I became the chief of police. I jump, okay? So she jumps home from her run. She gets her sh- like her little shotgun, which like, or sorry, pistol. And she <laughs> like, to my knowledge, like I kind of always assume cops are hearing guns, even if they're jogging. Even if they're not, yeah, even if they're not on duty. Right. So it's nice to know that like, like you might, if you're a cop, you might not have your gun on yeah. you when you're jogging. Because like, who I knows? think that'd be hard. It would just be heavy. It seems like an easy discharge, like a wrongful mm, discharge. Yeah, like you a know qu- what I yeah. Mean? Mm. But so, anyway, so she gets in there. She gets her gun. Um, we find out that she has a new partner right away. Um, and he's like this young black guy that's like sort of like he's been sent in to do this like sort of comedic role, which I immediately resent Mm. Um, because yes, we do need to infuse a little bit of like um, newness into Amish, Amish country. I just felt this was a little on the nose. First, they had a woman police chief, which I love because that isn't, that's not always, I mean, sure. It's Neve Campbell. It's Neve Campbell star. Mm -hmm. And then of course there's the black guy playing the trustee. 
New new sidekick. New, new she sidekick. Has no oh, but she also has a do- oh, so, yeah. She has no information on this guy. I think it's I want to say Nichols, but it might be Nelson or Neeson. It's an N. Who knows? Oh. It's an N. Yeah, it might be I have Norris. No idea. Anyway, but he the thing that was so great. So it's him, and then there's this bumbling like Barney Fife type, or the guy who finds the shoe is the other like. He's very dumb. He's a little Deputy Dewey. We'll call him ex- Deputy Dewey. Deputy Dewey too. Yes. Yeah. And then can he we is. has have we met Mona yet? Not at all. Okay, sorry. Wait, is she the woman in the? Um, She's the secretary yes. at the bed and breakfast. Yeah, the secretary at the bed and breakfast. The office assistant at the said bed and breakfast. Okay, so I wrote her name as Sally throughout most of my notes. <laughs> it was Mona. Her name's Mona. I swear to you, it's Mona. She looks like a Mona. She has like a red hair and a heavy eyelid. She looks a lot like um and a. a, a Floral print. Yeah, she's but she's not Mona from Who's the Boss. She's very like <laughs> she's not Catherine Hellman. No, but she is a redheaded Mona from let's say Seventh Heaven. Or that's a beautiful. She would be perfect on Seventh Heaven. She would be any of the office matrons or neighbors or oh one hundred percent any neighbor any adult that ever <laughs> interacted with the Camden family. She Mona played that part. In. She played. She was like. Seventh Avenue was like Law and Order at the New York Broadway scene where they, Mona yes. played like eight or nine different characters on Seventh Avenue. It was always concerned mom number two or office aide with anxiety. And like now that you've said that, I'm in like a place of like turmoil because she could have really used this going to series. You oh, know, yeah. and like, cause if she was on Seventh Heaven, which I imagine she was many times, Stephen Collins got her reruns pulled from her. Oh, that son of a bitch. So, um, we find out that her new, her partner's new, this young guy that she has in the car, he wasn't expecting a murder the first week. Um, she's oh, yeah, like, it's she, his first week. Yeah. Yes. That's the whole point yeah. of what I'm saying. Yes, it's just sorry. like, oh my God, they take this guy and they're like, guess what? Like, I'm, I don't know what I'm you thought, doing. Oh, you thought show. Ohio Amish country would be easy. Not today, honey. Well, not even. It's just like, I hate that they took like the young black comedic relief guy into this first. It just seems very obvious to me as a show. I'm like, okay, see as a network, I would have bumped on that right away and said like, could we like not do the most obvious like, thing they do in all movies, Yeah, which is like, Oh, he's comedic relief. Yeah. So Neve knows right away that the girl that she found is Amish. She says, there's no uh, hair dye, no tattoos. And she goes, by the way, the dress is Amish. So like the last thing she gets to is to me, the most obvious thing is that this girl's wearing a burlap sack. That's like somewhere like loose below her ankles. Yeah. And it's like, that would have been the first tell to me. Oh yeah. But I liked how she led with, you know, all the all the impurities that the real not the real world right. but that They're the like, world no had lost. There's, there's no, no tattoos, there's no cut no hair, hair color, dye, no, no nail dyes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so Neve tells the Amish person that they um, they can talk there or they can talk at the station, but either way they have to talk. So oh. she's like run into this older Amish man. Yes, who freezes her. Yeah. And he'll only talk. First, we think it's just sexism. We think because he'll only talk to the male cop. And then we realize, no, 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 Nev speaks Amish. And Nev goes, this is an official investigation. You will speak to me. And the elderly Amish gentleman was not here for that. But he did eventually. But at first, you really do think you're like, oh, it's just, it's almost... As if you're trying to look at the right, like you like see the we'll community, speak to the man, yeah. Which, right, but no, it's really that Nev has a connection to the Amish and some, or this man, and something has happened that he thinks lowly of her. So is like Amish language? Is it Dutch? Like a, I like, feel like, very ignorant. I'm assuming it's an offshoot of. It has to be an offshoot of Dutch. Because I know du- Pennsylvania Dutch is what they refer to as the Amish community, and it does and they're in sound, Ohio, but it yeah. does sound very Dutch. Not as 
severe as German, but like light Dutch. And there is a huge um, Amish community in both Ohio and Pennsylvania. And I want to say I've heard um, incredible things about your donuts. Um, and and so they're butter. If you want to send me donuts overnight from Ohio, reach out. I will absolutely arrange I, that. Can I get one thing out of my system just real quick because we're talking about the Amish? Did you ever see the Kirstie Alley, Tim Allen film yes. for richer or poorer? Yes, I did. I just want to say I've always felt like Kirstie Alley has been undervalued as a film actress. Yeah, she's like my favorite actress. Isn't she though? She really is. Cl- she's clever. I thought she was so chic when I was growing up. My mom also like kind of looked like her at certain Wait, points. Wait, so were like, you always a Rebecca then? So you're like total Rebecca. Well, I grew up watching Cheers because I'm from Boston. Yeah. So like that was, yeah. So like she was always very like cool and like a hot actress to me. Like, like oh, that's like Jennifer Aniston, but from my childhood. Yeah, and you remember her as the mom and or the, the case officer in It Takes Two? Yes. That's another great movie. Yes. It Takes Two is a great movie. Anyway, I mean, I sorry, love but my Olsen twin. Well, who, and especially when they do feature films. But I just I had to get that out. That shout out to For Richer or Poorer, which is always on HBO Go. Please watch it if you have it. But it's a great Tim Allen, Kirstie Alley movie where they both seem rather high throughout. That's probably actually very true. High and Marla Maples and Marla Maples is in it. High on what? And I mean, I don't know what they're smoking in the Dutch land. At first, it seems you cocaine. Think it seems like okay, coke or some meat. glue, something. There's something they're on. And then the last thing with that movie is For Richer or Poorer is one of the only films. As well as executive decision the year before that Marla Maples, the second wife of of 45s, um, who was an ill-fated actress, who what I love is that Ivana Trump still calls her that showgirl. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's it. That's my rant. I know we can go back to Neb, but just... And by the way, this whole podcast is like, stop apologizing, because we're also probably not going to do this chronologically. So, like, we'll just... I'll just We got Kirstie Allen. Yeah. If if we do If we ramble. Yep. So, we find out that this girl was hung upside down and bled to death that way. So, they drain the blood from her neck. Did you write down, I'm sorry, the word? Because I was fascinated by the word. It was... We'll have to look it up. Or the word. It was like, it's like, it's something, th- it's, it's like an emetum something. Yeah, it's, it's something, a, but it's very unique how they say it. You've, yeah, so they, um, basically, they she says, look for any person, like an, any Amish girl, 18 to 24, who went missing. So the whole town knows about the Slaughterhouse Killer, which was the Slaughterhouse Killer is apparently the only guy in the history of this town who has ever bled girls, girls to death in this way. And he leaves Roman numerals on and, their And stomach. he killed five. I think he, he killed five, but he... This was back in the, like 1995. 95. Yeah. What a great year. This was back in 95, and he killed five girls and then disappears. Yes. So um, then we find out that Neve characters, uh, her character Kate, she was Amish, but she left when she was 18. Um, they're not allowed to talk to her, but they can answer her questions when they have like police official business, right? So then the mayor rolls up to the police station. And you, he's already a dick. The mayor's like... Completely has his panties in a ball. He's very obviously worried about any sort of re-election sort of thing or any sort of, like, um, smearing of any names on the town. And so he his whole thing is, like, let's call in extra reinforcements. Let's like, call in the FBI because we don't, we're a tourism town. We don't want to get known as. And more so, like, you are the – we didn't expect when we elected, like, a young female chief of police that this would actually happen. Yeah. We didn't expect a murder. We expected quiet time. So um, she's obviously very offended by this. But then right away, a new, a younger cop that's back, he had just um, done a tour in um, 
Alaska for a long time where he apparently murdered a bear and that was very famous. He comes in and is like, Mayor, Mayor, I got you, man. Like, I got your back. I got Don't you. Don't even worry about it. What's this guy's name? I ne- I want to say Officer Thompson, but I could be wrong. Um, no, Thompson. Did he have a mustache? John, Tom- John Thompson. John Thompson is the name of the guy that's like her. Uh, the FBI guy? Yeah. Uh, His name begins with an S. It's like a Scotty or something. But Let's does just he call have him. a mustache? Um. N- no, he doesn't have a mustache. Okay. He doesn't have a mustache. He has like a little bit of scruffies. Yeah, he's kind of cute. He's cute. He definitely is cute, but also in a way that it's like, mm, I should have expected more. So basically, the mayor's like, we've already called a profiler in. I don't care if you like it or not. We got to call in a profiler. We can't, we got to protect this town. So that said, from everything I know from police shows, that's a very big deal. It's a huge violation when they call in another sort of precinct or whatever. It's Especially before an operation, not an operation. Criminal investigation. A criminal investigation is even really started. Right. It's a slap in the face. They're like, you can't do it. No, because we don't trust you. So we find out the profiler is this guy. His name's John. And he's drinking on the street of, I guess it's Cleveland, now we learn. And he's just drinking on the street of Cleveland. He comes out of a liquor store, pours some liquor into his coffee. And we learn that he's on a four-month bender. And being asked to go in is a little bit too much for him. He says this right off the bat. He's cute, though. Yeah, he's super hot. Um, and he's drinking during the day on the street. And the boss is like, hey, you got any questions? He goes, yeah, I just got one. Why are you always such a jerk? <laughs> and like, I thought that was kind of cute. That was darling. That. I was like, I love with a, way, with a little twinkle in his eye. Basically, Kate, Neve Campbell, she's really like invested in this case. And she asks her partner, a.k.a. the new guy, to look up any cases where blood is draining like as a theme. She Nationwide, wants- doesn't she? Yes. And she wants a list of abandoned properties. So she knocks on an Amish door. She goes to some Amish people's door. She sees Sarah. This is now, now we know, her sister-in-law. And she has to speak to Jacob. Jacob, her brother. Who is- Jacob. But who's played by her actual brother, Christian Campbell. Really? That's her brother. Really? Mm-hmm. Good for her. I only know him at... Did you watch Yay Big up. Love? You watched Big Love, didn't you? Yeah. Did you watch the final season? No. Uh, well, he played... You remember Carolyn, Chloe Sevigny's daughter that she rescues from the, the compound? Yeah. Um, who was that actress that played her? I, I want to say Annalise something. Like, she's, she's cute. a little like bad girl. No, she's like a, she's a real adult actress. But so. yeah, she's great, but she's wicked in the show. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm saying, but like also she's like some she's like not Amanda Seyfried, but she's someone on a big level that we oh, know now. Oh, does do we? Yeah, she's like famous. I can't think of who she is, but she's like You can picture um, her face though. She kind of has a Reese Witherspoon heart shaped face. I I like it's not Rachel McAdams, but like it's a <laughs> big it. fucking she turned into a big star. We'll think about it later. But, but yeah. That she play, the only thing I've ever seen Christian Campbell in is he plays a high school professor who begins an illicit love affair with Carolyn. Makes sense. On Big Love. Yeah, makes sense. But that's the only other film role or television film I've seen Christian Campbell Is Neve Campbell Canadian? Yeah, she is. I want to say from Vancouver, but she might be from the other part of the country on the other side. I was going to say she has a very Canadian look and that makes her brother make even more sense contextually. But doesn't she look... I think Neve Campbell... I mean, I know looks are only skin deep, but she is so stunning and has continued to just look so fresh and elegant yet accessible. I mean, she's just – I can't get over how beautiful she is. She's really beautiful. There is one moment during this movie later on where I couldn't tell if it was my computer or if it was her that it did look a little bit like the scream mask though. Oh, really? It was like a jaw thing and I was like, that must be my computer because she's looked stunning. And her hair looks so – she. I know we were talking about the hair and scream, and she, Sydney always had such feisty hair, 
Well, I love her hair in this film because it's a smidge layered and it's like to the neck, striking brunette, and then just those piercing blue eyes and yeah. all that purple. And it just makes for a very beautiful scene. She's very beautiful, especially in all the snow. So uh, basically he says, why have you come here? Which is... Oh, you again. Why you've come here. Why you have you again. come here? You um, again. So she says she's here uh, as police business. And like, she and he has to talk to her. Exactly. So she says it was an Amish girl that was killed. Then you talk about Daniel Lapp. We find out something very terrible happened with this guy named Daniel Lapp many years ago. At this point, we are not sure what it is, but I'm sure since we all have good educated brains on our shoulders, um, we know what it was. We find out that the dad apparently killed a guy, that something happened. We don't really know what for sure what it was, but there was a lot of tension around the whole thing. And the brother helped cover it up. Something happened with Neve. This guy, he went dead. Whatever, all we know is that it caused a big riff in the family. And so, he went dead at the mill. Yes. And so we know that basically what we know is that they can go to hell for this, but they did what they had to do. So she and her brother go to the abandoned barn that's on the property, and they start kicking around looking for stuff. Maybe there's any trace of this Daniel Lapp character. And her brother tells her that their job on the planet is to forgive, even if it's murder. She decides that she needs to start digging. She finds something when she's digging, and her brother basically holds up this lantern, and she's like, I found it, I found it. And it's like a skeleton, and he flashes the lantern on it, and it's like a dog's head skeleton. And she's holding it so close to her face (laughs) that I had like a little bit of a panic attack. I don't remember that part. I just was like, that's so bad for your skin. (laughs) A dead animal head carcass? Yeah, like, I won't let, like, a fucking ray of sun hit my skin, <laughs> let alone, like, be, like, three and in- If I turned and I was, like, within a Biore strip distance of a dog skull, I would fucking freak out. I would freak out. She throws the skull down. She's like, ugh, it's not what I was looking for. <laughs> so we see a hot Amish guy that's, like, uh, noticing he's so her, hot. right? He's like Garrett Headland. Right? And, um... Basically, she says that she needs to ask about Daniel Lapp to him. And she says, anyone heard from him? And he's like, why don't you leave? She's like, I've lived with this every day, okay? I don't know what to do. And he's like, I have a family. I have a future. I know. And we remember when she goes, I know. I saw your children. They're beautiful. So basically what we find out is that she does say to him, I'm investigating a murder. But we also find out is that this is like her ex-boyfriend from when she was in Mormon. fiance. Sorry. Fiance. When she was a Quaker. From when she was in Amish times. Oh, not a Quaker. I'm sorry. By the way, I said Mormon. It's fine. (laughs) Don't worry. We're going to fuck this up a lot. So if you have any religious sensitivities, it's time to tune off to the podcast. (laughs) Feel free to delete the Patreon. Um, So we get back. Basically, long story short, these two dated. It's weird. He doesn't know anything, but he wants to know more, but he doesn't know anything. So we get back to the police station, and this guy comes in, and he introduces himself as John Tomasetti. They met last summer. Oh, remember, and he's sitting at her desk with like feet like, on the table. Hey, Kate, and he's like literally smoking a cig. But first, Mona goes, "There's someone here to see you." Mm-hmm. And already, you're like, "When? What is Mona's personal life? Is she married? Is she divorced? Like, you want to know everything about Mona in these few line readings?" Yeah, I like can't decide if I think Mona's divorced and like she's widow. like getting her life, widow. or like whatever. Oh, you think she's widow? I think she's. I get a widow feel. Okay. So she's like, okay, fucking John Tomasetti, like, can't even with this. Get your, Put your cigarette off my table. out. Take your, yeah. So then the sheriff comes in and he introduces himself to John Tomasetti. This is a guy we're going to want to keep our eyes on. Whatever his name is, he's the sheriff. So they met last summer at his swearing in. He asked him if it's true, if you really killed the bear. 
and then the mayor calls. Can, I'm sorry. Can I ask you a question? What's the difference between the police chief and the sheriff? I don't fucking know. Okay. Like, I think a sheriff... Is a sheriff higher than a police chief? I think it... No. I think the sheriff is, like, the... It's sheriff chief. Okay. I think that's how it works, right? So, basically, what we learn is that the mayor has already called three times this morning. He's offered to help them out on behalf of the county, basically. They're like, let's make sure John Tomasetti's here, right? We got to get John Tomasetti in the mix. He's a profiler for... I guess Cleveland, right? He's yep. the local like of FBI. He's the local Cleveland FBI agent. So um, the station feels like it's taken a lot for them to handle all the PR because they're working on the tourism there. So they didn't think they'd have this much for her to do. Basically, this is the part where the sheriff is like, "Listen, honey, okay." And we hired mayor, you for good press. You're a woman, but we didn't expect you to have to actually work. Mm-hmm. So then um, we go on here, and um, John Thomas said he's looking over the papers, and he's like, "These killings look very cruel." Mm. He, like, puts out a stick in his coffee, like, as he's looking at this. So it's, like, very power move. Like, okay, I'm going to, like, put my cigarette out that you asked me three times to put out, but I'm going to do it in the cup of coffee that Mona has to wash up. <laughs> like, that's all I was that thinking. That was, was very like, oh, Mona has to going to have to wash this out, right? <laughs> Who else is going to do that if not him? So we learned that there's no DNA at the scene mm-hmm. with the dead body. They either have the best killer ever or he cleans his bodies vigorously at the scene. Why would he start back up if this is the original guy? And so Kate says, no, it's got to be a copycat. Then we find out Ezra and Bonnie, two Amish people, they're at the medical examiners when this happens. They're the, yeah. Ezra and Bonnie, two Amish people, are here to see if their daughter is there because she's been gone for two weeks. That they, they haven't reported. Yes. They haven't identified this or I reported this. So they go in to identify the body, which for me, like as a regular as person, seems like the worst thing I'd ever have to do. I can't think of anything worse than that someone thinks it's either someone's been missing or you're called to identify. And again, with this, remember both Bonnie. Now we've, we're coming into even more more Amish. Bonnie and and Edgar was it? Ezra. Ezra would not talk directly to Neve. They wouldn't. They wouldn't look at Nev Campbell. They wouldn't look at that beautiful purple. And so all of us were like, "Wow, Nev, whatever you did was bad." To them, yeah. Right. So Ezra and Bonnie, honestly, I think about it every time I see it on SVU or anything else. Do they really, like, how often do they actually do that? Do they make someone come in and identify the body? I think someone, to to officially say someone's dead, I think someone, if you die in your house, they have to find someone to say this is, this is that so-and-so and they're dead. It's just so painful. Every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, my God, I cannot imagine someone, like, pulling back a sheet. And, like, my parent or my child or my friend is under that sheet. So can you imagine if they're Amish? Oh. And they've been never even seen TV? No. And, like, all of a sudden they're seeing a, a sheet And they immediately back. break into – they're very stoic, both Bonnie and Ezra. Yeah. And they break into the Lord's Prayer. Prayer. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not wait. He maketh me lie down on the green pastures. They won't answer Kate. Um, they have the male cop answer all the questions. They learned that she disappeared on the Sabbath and never came back. The daughter became unruly, and they thought that she just ran away. John wants to know why they wouldn't speak to um, Kate back there in the room. And it turns out that Kate grew up. She waitressed in Cleveland. She took the test to be a cop. She passed. She applied here when the chief left last year. So this is her first year in the town. But she used to be a part of this whole last community. She was she, And she left on the day she turned 18 and never came back. Yes. So he's like, oh, I thought you were a horrible, boring stiff for a different reason, but it turns out you're Amish. 
<laughs> Very cute. So someone comes up with a note. Um, one of the the junior, the deputy Dewey, comes up with a note, and the note was slipped under the door of the bishop that morning. And oh, it says yeah. Kate Burkholder knows who the killer is, but it says it in like Dutch or whatever, right? Yes. So um, she's like, "Oh God, they must be kidding." And John's standing right there, and he's like, "I wasn't aware the Amish were into that kind of humor." True life. And he's like, it's okay. You're hiding something. It won't be a secret for long, honey. I'm an FBI profiler. Kate goes by the barn where they're like doing some cast iron shit and she sees <laughs> Lucas. He's like, I need to know what happened first before like, tell me why you left. And she's like, right as she starts to like tell him, she gets a call from the police. And they're like, we need you to come ASAP. She says she didn't want to leave. She tells him right away. She's like, I didn't want to leave. It wasn't my choice. I can't tell you whose choice it was, though. And she bounces. Then they get to the next crime scene, and they find out that the guy they're looking for is this guy named Dwayne who has knives. Dwayne is basically like a local crackhead that has like too many magazines and like inappropriate magazines. Yeah, there's inappropriate magazines. He apparently has a marijuana joint that's like smoking on the table, and he's like, it's a cigarette, which wife I believe beater. him, right? Um, he's wearing a wife beater. Oh, I was going to say, but he's also done none of these things. Like, they oh, basically no. pegged, like, this whole crime on him for doing nothing. Um, and John gets up. He looks like he's going to puke right away. Kate sees John outside. And she's like, yo, why would you, like, fucking arrest this man? Like, there's no reason for this. He didn't do any of it. He's like, I need a drink. Every time the adrenaline hits, I need a drink. And she's like, oh, my God, you have PTSD, which, like, in which case, like, I do have PTSD. No one ever told me that that's why I need a drink when I'm stressed yeah. out. Why did he have PTSD? Will you explain? Well, we'll find out. Okay. Don't worry. Because so, that part I was a little hazy I've, I've about. I've got all your answers, honey. Oh, thank you, okay? baby. Because I was, I was confused. It's coming up. So he tells her he knows that he shouldn't be there in this Amish town, but he can't retire because he doesn't do well at home. Basically, they kind of let him chill until like basically the end of his term comes up. But the new guy that they sent in, he hasn't showed up yet, so they sent him to deal with the slaughterhouse killer, okay? He tells her that he's famous, and then when he got his shield, it was and, and when he did, it was because he got one of the biggest crime bosses in all of Ohio. But he didn't go after him for revenge. He killed his wife instead. They never made the arrest in her murder. So basically, this guy is, like, widowed, right? Yeah. Go, like, fucking... Did they kill the kid, too? No, there was no kid. It was just the wife? It was just the wife. Okay. Um, and they never made the arrest in her murder. So he's like really been dealing with this with drinking, which like obviously right away as an audience member, I'm like, these two are about to fuck, which yeah. in my mind is wrong. There's tension. Building. Because I have to ask, like, both, they both have hard trauma. They do this thing in Lifetime movies where literally like someone's like, I'm raped. I was, I'm raped. <laughs> I was raped. And then like the guy's like leans in for a kiss. Like it's always like these moments. And I understand in life you do sort of like connect over big moments. Yeah. But in these movies, it's always like, yeah, my wife got fucking murdered by a crime boss. And I'm like, ooh, why do I feel like my pussy tightening? Like, it's literally, <laughs> it's like a whole fucking thing and I don't understand. So, basically, John's like, listen, let me tell you one thing. It's not a copycat killer, okay? A copycat would need a set of instructions. This guy is the real deal. And this guy has been all over the country because of the gap in years. There's nothing like that anywhere in the U.S. over all these years. So, they get to the new scene and there was a young girl dead under some sort of like bleachers or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's another call, call called in. Mm-hmm. So John basically and tells school, her right, right away. Yeah, he's like, the killer is here. The killer's in the building, right when it happens. It's like under a gymnastics banner. It's yeah. like, we love gymnastics. And there's like a fucking dead body right underneath it. It's a young teen girl. And um, John's like, the killer is here. He's like, it's not his MO, but this guy is here. I can promise you that. Yeah. So um, I wrote, it has to be the sheriff. That's my guess. Yeah. 
Um, so the sheriff hears him say this, and all of a sudden, um, he's like, all right, we need to steal the building. The killer's in here. We need to steal the building. So um, the mayor now comes in, and the mayor is, like, here to, like, be part of the business. But all of a sudden, you realize, oh, my God, that's my daughter underneath the steps. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? So he runs to it. It's, like, fu- it's terrible. And right away, he starts fucking with the evidence, which at first, I'm like, oh, my God, is he in on this? Was he the murderer? Was he the killer? Yeah. Right. Um, he's, like, cradling her dead body. And- it's Sorry, very Jean Bonnet. It's very Jean Bonnet. Yeah, um, so Katie talks to the FBI. They never did their search for someone who has this MO. He asked her why someone would think that she knows who the killer is. She says it's gossip, Amish people, yeah, it's their sorry. Amish curse. They have no TV, so they gossip and send letters to the bishop, which I was like, oh, God, that is another reason why I do not want to be Amish. You imagine just sending a 10 page letter to the bishop? Yes. In the <laughs> 90s, when we had to eat, like manually write to the inquirer about who we thought killed Jean Benet? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, that said, like, I cannot imagine this being like you know what guess who didn't turn in their milk pail today yep yeah 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 susan next door so um she goes to see some people in amish <laughs> guess land who didn't turn in their milk pail today you know i just got it yeah. i love it so um she goes to meet someone in amish land and she runs into her ex-fiance lucas and he says that her brother told her about lap um, he wants her to Daniel Lap. He wants her to know why she didn't come to him with this. He tells her that she needed uh, needs to see her brother, whoever some the bishop has to have walked. So basically, the guy he followed the tracks to his brother's farm. So there's no way that whoever it was, it wasn't her brother. Her brother dropped off this note. So right away, I'm like, obviously it's Sarah, his fucking wife, right? But no, we have to go through this. So his wife seems really jealous of Kate when she gets to the place. Kate knocks on the door. She's like, can I talk to my brother? Lucas is there with him. They're all doing this whole thing. They're fighting in like Dutch or whatever it is. There's a lot of like subtitles. And then all of a sudden Sarah comes in. She's like, hey, stop fighting. This was all my doing. I know what's going on. I don't want to live like this. The only way to end this uh, situation is to go to the bishop. And then basically Sarah turns to her husband, Neve Campbell's brother, and he's like, it's true. I uncovered a memory. So he basically, what he says, he remembers this moment where his dad came home that night and he said that he put Daniel into the deepest place he could where no one would ever find him. Um, I wrote, please tell me that he was put into a well and they've been drinking him all these years. Oh my. God. Right? That is so dark. Sinister. Very sinister. But no, Kate tells Lucas that she remembers why she chose him. He tells her to shush. She's English now. It doesn't matter that she chose him. Like, it's this moment where I'm like, Kate, come on. Kate, you know he has beautiful children. And also, Kate, like, you cannot think that this is going to, like, play out. In your favor. Right. Like, yes, Lucas is hot. Lucas is Amish. You Lucas guys is married with a bunch of children. Uh, but beyond that, even if he wasn't, but do you, you think you could take this man out and do Netflix and chill with Lucas? Can you Lucas? imagine, though, being a mother to a bunch of step-Amish children? That has, cannot be easy. I mean, it's, Who's an, English? it's fully impossible. It would he be, would never be able to see his children again. It no, would mean he'd have to leave the community. But, like, that's the point. Is like It's not only that, but, like, what would she – let's say he did leave the Amish community. How would they hang out together? Like, she's been getting penetrated and playing probably, like, lotto and getting, you know, getting, <laughs> getting drinks. Getting drunk, getting yeah. buck. And this man has never left. He never did his rum springer. No. That's also missing Is that a whole year? Movie. Yeah. It's, like, basically, like, your gap year. So, he says, you left the Amish community when you were 18 because something happened. Something your family couldn't deal with. Something you couldn't deal with. So, you bolted. Am I right so far? Right. So, what's in that hole there? Or should I say Who? Oh, wait. 
I should say that this starts by Neve Campbell digging up a hole alone in a in a barn, and then John comes in. He's uh, the one who says and she's, that. And he's at she's at the deepest. I want to even say it's a mill, and there's a windmill, and she's deep in it, and she's digging. Yeah, and she finds. So she's dig dig digging, and he's like, "I'm going to profile you," and he's like, "So what's in the hole there? Should I or should I say who?" And she's like, "Daniel Lapp," and he's like, "Who's that?" And she's like, "A man who hurt me," and he's like, "Well, who put him there?" And she's like, "My father." And he's like, okay, so your father killed yeah, him? Yeah, she gave up this Why? really easy... And he's like, no, he didn't kill him. Who did? I did. Oh, Kate, he raped me. Why'd you come here tonight? To make sure that he was dead? You didn't know? She shakes her head. I thought he was our killer. Why? She shows him a scar on her neck, and um, it's the same scar that's on the first dead body they find. It's the same yeah, mark. Yeah, it's the so same mark. this guy, like, fully – this is, like, a weird part where the story takes on a new form because it's, like, why does she have this mark based on the killer we wind up with? Mm-hmm. That we don't know. Maybe he was just wielding a knife all crazy. So um, they wind up going to her place to drink. Um, and she says that she's worked on their farm for years. She was um, – or sorry. She said that Daniel Lapp had worked on her family farm for years. And then we see a flashback of the two of them fighting. And then her running home, screaming into her house on the Amish, like, farmland. He chases her into the house. And then she's pulled up a shotgun at that point and shoots him in the stomach. The family discovers the scene. Her brother and dad put the body into the carriage. Um, and she says to John, I killed a man. And he says in self-defense. And she said, and now it's all going to come out. Do you know what they will do to my family? So this is very much like JonBenet to me where it's oh, like yeah. she killed. Uh, I mean, this uh, is not anywhere near to what the theories are about JonBenet, but let's just say someone you love very much killed someone and maybe self-defense or in a moment of completely irrational behavior. Yep. And, um, then you as a beloved family member, someone who cares about this person, you feel like you have to figure this out for them. And that actually seemed like a really relatable for all the, for all this movie was, I found this to be a kind of relatable moment where I was like, absolutely. I would absolutely try and figure this out. If this was my sister or if this was my family member, I would try and bury a body and like how that could, you know, lead to repercussions for many, many years ahead. So, um, he's like, Hey, um, you know, I like your quilt there on the wall. So we find out that she made this beautiful quilt. It's on her wall when she was in the Amish. I want to say, is it blue? It's blue and purple. And she says, yeah, it's not the only one she's got. He's like, Oh, you liked it enough to hang it on your wall. She's like, yeah, but I've got one in the linen closet down here and two upstairs. So she's a big quilt head. Because she goes, I quilt when I miss my family. Yeah. She loves to quilt. Yeah. And she misses her family. So she says she doesn't have anything left from her childhood. After she left, that was it. She says when her mom died, she didn't even get to see her. She got a call at work. She cried for a half for half the night, and then she went back to work. Um, and the two of them, they start to horn up. Oh, they're very horny. And, like, again, in Lifetime movies, like, I can't imagine why, like, someone's mom tragically dying and not finding out about it or, like, out quilting because of depression. I don't know why this is such a horn trigger for them but they love it on lifetime so they segue into a flirty moment he's like i should go and then he and she's like "Mm." and he's like are you sure (laughs) and she's like positive and she like takes a break and he's like so you're not sure okay see you tomorrow so he walks out and he goes home and i was like fuck he's like got i was like his game is like literally how long has your wife been dead because your game is like (laughs) 
who did you fuck over in Cleveland on these last <laughs> one and a half tender years? years. Yeah. So on the news, we learned that there are two bodies from this killer. Now they're looking for the people who left around 1995 and are back now, which is such a, um, wow, what a privilege. Like literally what a privilege to be able to be like, who left in 1995 and who's back around now? Like, Literally any other city that they tried to track that person down with, there would be, like, such tax evasion or, like, any sort of other thing. Like, the fact, God bless their pure Amish hearts. So a cop comes in and gives her a letter. It turns out, so it's the the sheriff that's, like, kind of squeak, squeaky. He's like, okay, here's a letter. This is from the mayor. He's like, broken heart when he had to do it, but I got to escort you out. You've been fired. So Mona is shocked by this. Mona, Mona and the, yeah, and the other police officers are, like, baffled. So the cop comes in and he's like, okay, so you can take some things from your desk, but we kind of need to like hit the road. And I also loved when Mona, right before he came, comes in, there's like, Mona's like, what can we do for you? And she goes, you've got work to do. It's like, stay to the case, stay to the case. Yep. That's all Nev cares about. He goes, um, he goes, you know, we'll talk to the mayor in a week or two, see if we can get you reinstated. Mm, Like he's very, very on her side. Okay. So he's like, and by the way, bring your car back tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I love that part. No rush, but please bring it back by tomorrow. So I'm starting to think that this guy might uh, have been the one who wrote the letter or something. Can I ask you with it, do you do you feel pretty good? Is there always a telltale sign in Lifetime movies that this is the villain? Is it... I think honestly, because this is a backdoor pilot, like they made it a lot more obvious. Yes. Yeah, it so- felt a lot more like a... Um, a lifetime or fellow a lot more like a law and order episode yeah. where it was like, okay, like I get this guy killed. Maybe I don't know his motivation. Yeah. But I starting but to feel killer. like he's the killer. And like, if this was to be leading up to, I mean, cause she does have Olivia Benson moments at the top and at the end. And there's also this like, kind of like hunky guy. Like I could see if this was to be the first hour and a half long episode of like a, of a great cop show. I would buy that. I do, will say I I do wonder how many episodes they would get out of this out of a show about this town that because is so many, small. Yeah, and like how many murders could there possibly be? Right. And also like at some point it's like, yo, is this like is an this ex- Cabot Cove? exploitation Cabot Cove is slash this- exploitation of like the Amish community? Yeah, exactly. Like at a certain point on episode thirteen, if we were still fucking with Amishes, <laughs> like I'd be like uh, exactly, Cabot Cove. But like, you're literally preying on Amish people who do nothing but spin hoops. <laughs> and they butter. have a hoop and a stick, and churn butter, and they fucking roll that hoop and stick down the hill. Okay, and that's what they do. That's their fun. So, so and gossip, yeah, and gossip. The two of them, they wind up fucking. Let's just do go there. So they wind up fucking. Well, they wind up because he comes to console her at after she's been fired at the house, and he goes, "What are you looking at?" And he's like, I'm trying to picture. She goes, what are you looking at? He goes, I'm trying to picture you as an Amish girl. And she says, I'm a little assertive for an Amish girl. And he goes, I was going to say too pushy. You're a hell of a cop. That's about as good as I get with compliments. And probably going to screw this up too. And then they kiss. Which like, I'm going to tell you, no, don't. Because when a guy's like, oh, by the way, I really, really like you. I'm going to date you. I'm going to screw this up. Like. FYI, he has no intentions of not screwing it up. He, he gave wants you to. He gave you a clear sign. He gave you the sign. He's like, listen, I'm gonna like make this a hot, steamy little dirty dancing weekend between the two of us, okay? But you're gonna go back, bring your fat ass back to Babyville, wherever you came from, and this is just a, a summer that you had fun with. Like, I hate that when a guy's like, you know, like, don't fucking hold me accountable. Like, I'm just gonna like 
make my way in your life. Like, don't fucking hold me accountable. Like, that's completely what he's doing. And I love that for them, for this movie. But not for the life. Not for the series, even. No, like, I need for our unproduced series. For the series. Well, like, their unproduced series. Like, I would have loved They for wouldn't the have Amish. jumped in the sack as soon, right? Do you think if this... No, they would have, but he would have been a more redeemable character or he would have, like, had a moment where he's like, ah, I'm dealing with my dead wife. Like, fuck, the Ohio gangsters, like, fucking left a, a severed finger at my doorstep. Like, they're going to get my mom. Like, I needed that from them. I yeah. needed a severed finger. The draining of the blood wasn't enough. Do you agree? Sever- like, a, like, something in his life, though, to be, like, from his side of the story yeah. to maybe fill out the character motivations. A like, little bit more. Yeah, he got his, like, elderly mom's severed finger in his mailbox, but he still wants to be here for Nev Campbell. So he's, like, bypassing that to go for this. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I get that. Okay. So basically, they wake up in the morning, and she's like, wait a minute. And they're, like, underneath her quilt on her bed. She's like, wait a minute. I had an idea. And she, like, wakes him up. He's like, uh-oh. Because, like, God forbid Kate gets an idea. And she's like, listen, it has to be someone that both the Amish girl and the mayor's daughter wouldn't have been afraid of. Yeah. When she, like, this person pulled up to the car, like, pulled up to them in the car, who would it have been? And he goes, it had to have been a cop or a doctor or a fireman. And then all of a sudden, there's a bang on her front door, and it's the junior cop, the deputy. Oh, deputy not the Deputy Dewey. Dewey. It's the other guy. It's, no, it's, it's deputy, the black guy. No, nor it's the white guy. Are it's, you sure? Yeah, it's Deputy Dewey. So he goes, we made an arrest. It's Samuel Hirschberger. They have clothing from the victim on the floor of the barn and in the home. And she's like, no, 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 no. Neve Campbell's like, no, he's a simple man. I've known man. him since. He's not cruel. I grew up with he, him. Didn't he raise a range of free birds? What did she say? She was like, he nursed free birds to health. Right. Or something very the- dramatic. Basically, like, she's saying, like, this is the Boo Radley of the Amish community. This Stop man it. didn't yes. do shit. Not a thing. Like, he's too, like, basically, they all but say, like, he's too simple-minded to have completed. And the best part is she goes, I don't want to say he's simple, but right. he's simple. Right. So then John takes a call. It turns out that he's been board- ordered back to VCI, which is where he came from. There's a suspect the in custody, cold, so they don't closed. need him anymore, no, right? closed. Yep. So Nichols was the one who did the arresting. So Nichols is the name of the officer that we've you. had our eye on this whole time. Someone is um, trying very hard to stop this, but it can't be Nichols, okay? So they get a call from Shelly, and it turns out that she says that Samuel Hirsch – oh, sorry, Mona. not Shelly. They get a call from Mona, and she says that Samuel Hirschberger just killed himself. Hung himself. Hung himself. Hanged himself. Hanged himself. Hanged himself in his cell. So Kate tells the secretary, Mona, to check that Nichols' military record. She says that the guard um, says that he passed out for 10 minutes and then he killed himself, which is like... With his shoestrings. Right. And the guard is just so sweet. He's like, I I couldn't have been asleep for more than five minutes. And when I awoke, he was dead. Right. So then Kate goes and confronts Nichols. And like right when she gets in to confront Nichols, he's like, yeah, man, just go easy on him. Okay. He's like two months left from retirement. Man's like 900 years old. Like just go easy on him. Okay. So like he's like sweet talking people. He's like coming across this empathetic little creature that's trying to save the elderly man. He probably killed him in front of. Mm. Right. So he goes, all I have to do. And she goes, all I have to do is leave and the crime is solved. Huh? She says that Samuel was too devout for this. He says that she was too close to all of this to even know whether or not Samuel was too devout for this. Um, she can't see the truth for what it is. Nichols tells her that um, ever since he was a kid, um, he's always looked at the Amish people and, like, revered them. And she goes, that's right. You grew up in the area. And he said, yeah, and you spend all that time in Alaska and shot a bear. Wait, so but that's not Nichols. That's the sheriff she's talking to there. Nichols is the sheriff. 
No, 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 no. The no. guy that she. The no, guy Nichols that, is the black guy. The sheriff's someone else. I know the sheriff's first name. Listen, all you guys need to know is that the guy who has taken over her fucking job and the, the one sheriff. who's being like, take it, take it easy, right? Bring so, the car back when you can. Right. So that guy is the one that's like, okay, whatever. So she's putting together that this guy from the very beginning, the sheriff, who was the guy who shot the bear in Alaska that John Tomlinson had heard of. <laughs> He's the same guy as all of this shit. Oh, my God. This guy grew up here. He left town. He killed a bear. Now he's back here. Now I'm fired. It's all coming together for me. Okay. So she tells Mona to lock every uh, to look everything up in Alaska and Georgia that may align in terms of this specific MO, right? The young cop wants to talk to her, but she has things to do on the phone. That's Nichols. Is that the young black guy? Yeah, that's okay. Nichols. He that, and then she goes, "Wait one minute," because remember what I thought you did. I'm sorry, you did a perfect job of explaining. It's just so because it was so panicked at the no, station. No, you've got Mona. We've got it all. It's like a whole fucking fruit salad. At the the inn sense. was very popular that day. There were a lot of people coming in and coming out of the inn. Yes, it was a big day at the bed and breakfast. That also happens to be where they try. And hold murderers. So basically the guy's like, hey, like, lady, like, I got to tell you a new thing. And she's like, I'll be right back. And so she goes outside and she's talking to, like, a police chief in Alaska. And they're like, she's like, hey, I need, like, to know anyone who, like, blood drained any other person. And she's like, oh, we don't call it blood draining. We call it a... Uh, blood out. We call it bleeding out. Bleeding and so out. she's like, fuck, search bleeding out. Yeah. So then it turns out, oh, my God, guess what? We did have a lot of bleeding out. And it turns out this person did leave room in numerals on all the dead bodies. And she's like, yeah, that X, it's a Roman, Roman numeral. And then, like, all of a sudden, bam, glove around her mouth. She's being fucking choked out. We know how it is. We've all seen all these shows, right? So next thing we know, commercial break, back up. She wakes up in a van and she's just like staring into the world, right? John takes a call at the station and he finds out that Nev Campbell's character, Kate, had called about a murder in Alaska. They Mona connects them. Mona is the key. She connects. She goes, she's talking to the guy on the phone, the Alaskan guy. And then yeah. John John comes in and goes, who is that? They were talking to Kate before she was gone. Mona went from a zero to a hero in a big way in this movie. And that like typically like. Her character didn't need to do any more than this but for she like did what so she did much. in the movie. But she really comes in in the last third and just like she earned her her season. She role. would have been a best supporting actress nominee in the drama series for sure. This is her series regular part that she like fucking nailed down and has worked hard for after the years of serving Ooh, background. Oh on my Seventh god, Edward. years and years of just one line here, one line there. Per- parishioner number two, <laughs> fucking auntie number four. Yeah. she's played it bereavement all, okay? committee member number oh, two. Oh my god, yes, absolutely, absolutely. So we cut to basically our boy, our uh, our fucking murderer, our sheriff. Dragging Neve Campbell's tied up body outside in the woods with chains around her feet. And I did notice, oh my God, thank God she's wearing a nice Ugg boot. Uh, she has a nice, at least her feet were warm. She has a nice little knee high, like almost boot that looks like a, like a fucking knee high Ugg boot. And I'm like, oh my God, if I had chains wrapped around my ankles and I was being pulled by my own weight against my own weight across the floor of a snowy terrain with bricks. Uh. I would wish I had an Ugg boot. And he was so rough with her head. I just remember when they're going up the stairs. So he head dra- yeah, he drags her up four small stuff. And she's stairs. awake during this point, yeah. but she's pretending she's not. And I'm like, how did you not call out, babe? Mm. Like, your poor sweet noggin. I would have wrecked my head as high as, like, anything. And just be like, fucking just don't get. Like, that's when you really wonder, like, what does it feel like to have a will to live? Yeah. You know what And I how mean? much are you going to really take it? I mean, I don't think you know until you're in it. 
Yeah, like I've run down a dark alley from someone that I knew was coming for me and been like, wow. But like, it's really these situations where you have someone like holding you hostage in a, in a Cleveland um, home for three years or five years or whatever. Oh, Fucking JC Dugard. Like, literally, uh, how do you know you was, have was a, she tw- She was like 20 years, though. Wasn't Dude, she? she was in there for like 15 years. She had a kid. She was like, and, and that then was she her came father? out. No, it wasn't her father. It was like, a, it was a strange man. Okay. He was a strange wasn't man. Wasn't there one. That did put his he with his one of his daughters and put her in it was like incestuous and threw her and probably like five or six in the basement. I mean, honestly, the unfortunate thing about the movie Room is that like it was so vague enough in terms of our storytelling of things that happen to women in this country that it did it wasn't like oh that's that case yeah do you know yeah. because like there's unfortunately I hate to say this like as we listen to this there are women oh god. Like, what if there was a woman in a fucking cave right now listening to this? I know. Girl, I'm thinking of you, and we're fucking hoping for you. If you're listening to this, if if he lets you have podcasts for some reason, fuck. Like, we're, we'll be right there for you, me and Max. Oh if you God. have a Patreon prescri- subscription, if, if you have a Patreon it. prescription, even, and he allows, like, anyway. Guys, it, even if you're listening to this, if you have a Patreon, just put it out in the universe. Me and Max will come and get anyone that's being held in a room, Okay. <laughs> We'll be there. We'll be there. Okay. So then let's move on. So um, he pulls Kate inside and he's like, come on, Kate. We know you're awake. Um, yeah, he did say we. And it's like, but there's only you here. I but thought- that's the way that killers always in. They're like, come on. <laughs> we know what's going on. You little goose. It's always like we. It's always we as if they're speaking to like an audience of hundreds and thousands, which is why probably in my – in like I think – the average viewer's mind, you have to be like, oh my God, this is one of those motherfuckers that thinks everyone's watching him. Yeah. You know, that's all we got. So basically inside the house, he talks to Kate. He's like, look, go job, by the way. I was beginning to wonder if anyone would figure it out. And she goes, where are we? And he goes, um, he reveals this clawfoot tub under a sheet and he goes, we're at home. So he starts to set up his little station where he likes to drain blood from his victims. And this is very much like um, I think SVU like season 19 finales or season 18 finale, season 19 um, premiere, which is when Olivia was like caught by that guy and like held in this home. It's very much like a game of how much time can we buy by like submitting to a, like a monogram of abuse while also like getting actual time caught behind us. So, um, Basically, he's like, she's trying to fight out of her ropes while this is going on. And he's like, I know this is your child at home. Did something happen to you here? And he's like, huh, plenty happened to me here. And I screamed and screamed and nobody ever came. And she goes, do you think that's why you kill people? And he says, I don't know why I kill people. Um, and he goes, I'll keep, the, I'll keep the heart flowing. I'll tell you that. So he tells um he starts to slowly put together the bathtub and then like this funnel system. So he has like a little like plastic funnel that apparently goes under the drain of the bathtub, which all of this makes too much sense to me immediately. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh my God, he drains their blood in this clawfoot tub and drains it into the bottom, like into and then the easy to wash in a pit. Yeah, because like if you go behind my house right there, like past that door right there, there's like some dirt that goes up to a hill yeah that's what happens in these hill homes so like fuck it's just like all gonna go in the ground so then all of a sudden um we find out that they still have 35 abandoned properties to look at right back at the station they haven't even looked into these 35 do you remember when mona's frantically when mona's trying to frantically print there's this great scene 
that really was just sums up the movie. And the guy goes, where are the ta- Where are the properties? And the camera pans to Mona, and Mona just goes, I'm still printing the copies out. Yeah. <laughs> just like hurriedly hands. It's so dramatic. Because also like this is a little bit like 1995 Alaska. Like it might as well have taken place there the same way that Northern Lights starring Leanne Rimes and Eddie Cyprian, <laughs> the movie that they met on. They like literally are like, look, man, okay, we only got one ink cartridge per year, okay? Like we're doing the best we can. As if they can't just like all gather around a computer and look <laughs> at a map of these properties. But then while they're printing, don't worry, Mona. Because okay. John starts to piece together that the sheriff has these pictures of his childhood home all around the room. And they're like, and he turns to one of the cops and he's like, what's the deal with all these houses? And they're like, oh, his parents are dead now. That whole property has been dead for years. It's completely abandoned. And so they're like, all right, let's fucking, let's, let's throw some darts at the board and go to this one. Yeah. So they go out there, they send a message to everyone. Um, they get these emergency bells ringing. Now, apparently, what happens in Amish country when something is awry is everyone starts a ringing the bells. And there's like church bells and it's just like it's bell central. What's the tri- – in the triangle? I love when the girl came out wait, with the wait, triangle. Wait, 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 wait. Then, yes. Eventually we get to a part where – yes. Um, there's a girl – okay. So <laughs> we have to bo- – bo- the, the part where the triangle comes in is interesting to me because things are so de-escalated by the time we find out there's literally two girls – banging on triangles. I don't know if any of you took like music and, but like at banging your triangles, like it's a step below the, the castle. It's the most useless is. Yeah. thing that you could do. It's like literally like a wind chime. Yeah. Which also <laughs> actually the noise of a wind chime is actually a flashback moment. So maybe it's deeper than all that. <laughs> but John said, or sorry, the sheriff that's killing her, he says to her, um, he's like, you're full of questions and you're stalling for time. People are trying to take, make too much sense out of all of this. It already happened. What about just some girl in a green de- dress or some girl in jeans who happen to catch your eye? Which is, like, terrifying. Because, like, right away I was going to all the places, like, where I was in my 20s where yeah. some, like, fucking guy leaned out of a car and asked me a question, but I decided to scooch a looch, like, whatever. <laughs> So she's like, you know, you don't have to do this. They're too close to finding us anyway. And then she kicks over these chemicals that he was going to use probably, I guess, to to knock her out, like a chloroform or whatever. And she kicks them into a small lantern that he had lit. So um, right as this all happens, there's an explosion. John comes in and he shoots at at the sheriff who has him. And then the sheriff shoots back. Um, it's unclear who got shot here, but at least one the person sheriff has been gets shot. shot. The sheriff gets shot. The, the sheriff killer. gets shot, but also John gets shot. And we don't really know that at first. Yeah. He's like, I'm okay. And, like, this is where I'm also like, dude, like, how drunk is this guy? Yeah. Because, like, all of this, like, the driving around town, the the getting shot in the arm, that I just need a drink thing. Like, is this man drunk? Yeah. Okay, is he? Because, like, that's what I want to know. They never really, like, act like he's capable of catching up to the alcohol he's drinking, which is of interest to me. So he starts to carry her out, and there's, like, right away, the place is almost nearly blown up. So the girls, we see the girls in the in the yard, like, playing their fucking rectangles out in Amish country to try and, like, stop this murder. Then all of a sudden, there's, like, this creepy crawly moment where the two of them are, like, trying to trap the sheriff, who is alive but shot. He got shot in the leg or something. And, like, all of a sudden, all the other cops show up, and they're all creepy crawling around this barn like they're in an octagon around it. And she turns around, Neve Campbell turns around off the side of the barn. She goes, we've got you surrounded, Nate. You might as well come out. And he's like, ah, 
you know, he's still going to try and go for it. And then all of a sudden, fucking Lucas walks in. Her, uh, her, str- ex-fiance. her ex-fiance. strong, silent Lucas. And I wrote, like, fucking, he unknowingly walks into this bar. And yeah. I thought this was an accident. He just wanted to get some manure. No, but he turns to him and he goes, hey, it's finished now. And then he waits. And he holds his hand out. And he takes the fucking gun from his hand using Amish powers. Gently. Amish powers. Like, and the guy literally. just looks defeated, like, you know, Lucas... You fucking gave me your Amish. It's like Austin Powers, but Amish Powers. Amish Powers. That's actually who I'm going to be for Halloween. Amish Powers. Yeah. So um, Katie's back in the office now. Honey, it's all over. She's relaxed. Okay. She's got an oatmeal raisin druid circle fucking in her mouth. Mona's comes in. So Mona comes in. Exactly. By the, She's like, oh, there's a loose cow, which is how this whole movie <laughs> started. And she goes, oh, I'll go deal with it myself. And Nev Campbell just smiles to herself and goes, I'll take care of it. I think I'm going to cite them this time. Yeah, exactly. Because she's like, LOL, last time we didn't put these cows on blast. <laughs> we found we a got dead led body. To a, a fucking viable murderer that actually changed the state of this county. So I'm just going to go drop off a ticket yeah. on that. And thank you so much, Mona. You have a good night. Mona, enjoy. Help yourself to the ex- leftover pastry. Bring them back to your husband. <laughs> enjoy. Okay? Lo- she's a widow. Exactly. So we go outside and John is out there. Look, he looks cute. He looks cute. And he looks cute, and he's got a little sling on his <laughs> he's arm. He's a sweet little sling. And he goes, I'm going back to Cleveland tonight, but uh, I want a sinner. Oh, he goes, I want a sinner. I want a dinner with the chief. It, re- <laughs> it recorrected dinner with a sinner. I want a sinner with the chief. I, I want, want a sinner with the I chief. I want a dinner to sin with the chief. Um, so he's going wearing a sling. She drives off. So she's driving them to their dinner, probably because he's drunk or because he doesn't have an arm. Yeah. Either way, like I think both of them should be in an Uber. Oh, God, yes. I'm just going to throw that out. Oh, hell yeah. Between the emotional distress of the last 48 hours, because I love that, like, she goes right from, I mean, this man still has a sling on his arm. She goes right from being a victim with chains around her ankles to taking, getting some. <laughs> running the police station. Running the, the police day. station, having witty banter with Mona, solving the cow problems, and then getting some good old D that night. So then Lucas sees her on his buggy in town, and he nods to her, and he looks back. Like, he's checking out that car's sweet, sweet ass. Like, the way that he turns. It was so sweet. He's like, I'm looking at you. I'm still seeing I'm you. looking at you looking at me. And then remember when she sees her brother in the barn? And they- so then the last shot is her <sighs> jogging the way that she was in the first scene. But she's running by a new barn. It looks like a fresh barn-raising like, barn. Yeah, we've done away with the old barn. We've built a new one. And her brother looks out and he waves to her and she was And nods. Back. And that sweet little nod. Mm-hmm. So maybe an Amish murder, would the series would have turned in more to like my Amish tea. And it was about her bridging her. Because where do you think the series Wait, truly. Wait, tea like T-E-A? Or yeah, like, just like, like let's have some tea. tea? No, oh. like let's just have some tea. And her rebuilding her relationship no, with the Amish. I mean, I think it would definitely be about the Amish community for sure. But not murders, would it? Not necessarily murder, but it feels a little bit like their version of SEU. Which I will say, this is why I feel like the the show didn't go to series is like one. No one wants to see of all people. I feel like an Amish man being driven out of his home is kind of like a ruthless ass yeah. for your audience to be okay with. It just would have been a difficult way to fill 10 episodes. I think you could fill it, but it would be very unlikable or you need some like sort of more backstory because yeah. like we need to maybe hear from the mom. Like yeah. maybe the mom never died. Maybe the mom ran away as and well. Where does Mona live? Well, who knows about that? We'll figure that out. Maybe Mona will be like, they could do like a fun dance montage, like sort of like a Mona goes on a date sort of thing. But like, I'm saying like my natural 
my natural inclination would be to say that maybe her mom never died. And the call that she got about her mom dying was like a cover for the fact that her mom also left because she was so disturbed by the rape that was covered up by the community. Maybe she she herself. Maybe expanded it. Or perhaps like, you know, I mean, I think it's a big ask to ask for the community, Amish or Lifetime Viewer community, to get on board with Lucas, an Amish man leaving his wife. Because it's like, yeah, like fucking tough, tough job getting an Amish man to leave his wife. Oh, God, yeah. Like, But if anyone could do it, Nev could. No, I'm saying literally like any any person that has like a fucking spark in their eye could probably get an Amish <laughs> person to leave their wife. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's not hard. So it's like, that's not an interesting storyline because we'd all be like, well, yeah, you fucking bitch. Like, you have electricity. Of course he's going to leave. Like, yep. you have actual Netflix. Like, you have Hulu. Like, you guys would hang out and be, like, doing great. Making love. And he'd be, like, so pleased to not Watching be Watching the fire documentary and just loving life. And then Joe, I think, was a great romantic interest. But I also felt like he was like any of the guys that, do you watch SVU? Uh, I've seen episodes here and there, but not religiously. Do you know a blonde, the blonde girl, Amanda, that's been on the last couple seasons? No. She's like kind of like, she has a story where she's a little bit of a gambler. She wasn't really a drunk, but she's a little bit of a gambler. Maybe she is in the program, actually. She's a little bit of a gambler. She has a gambling addiction. She came from Georgia after like a series of paralyzing events. And she's always into the wrong guy, okay? And so, like, I feel like Joe could, in in a good way, become the wrong guy. Yeah. Or, like, maybe he knocks her up. Yeah. And it's like, I have to go back to Cleveland and deal with my shit. My alcoholism. And there could definitely be an arc where they go to Cleveland where she's like, I want to learn about your shit. And then maybe there, she finds a rumspringer guy yeah. when she's in Cleveland. I oh, mean, and that was 16 to 21. Apologies when I looked So 16 up. to 21. Is when they're usually – and it said something like 80% come back. So it's one – yeah. So it's one year, right? Yeah. And – Well, technically it can be – technically the idea is between any age when you – I apologize. I, I don't think I'm doing it justice. But any age after you finish your official kind of schooling of the religion and the culture, right. which is usually 15 to 16, until you decide to be baptized in it. Okay, yeah. So, so that can be – so, I mean, I think they encourage that you're – but I don't think you're a part truly of the Amish community until then you're baptized. And, the, like, the sad thing is, is that, like, this is where – it also is a strange age because, like, 16 to 18 is, like, an age in America where you can get into a lot of shit, but you can't do anything legally. Yeah. And so the unfortunate thing is, like, I'm sure you've seen we both know and love sister-wise yeah. – like, these are – it's not dissimilar to this community in a sense where it's like you can go off and you can go live your life, but – You're always going to be tied to it. And, and more than that, like, a lot of these people, this is their first time out. So they get really – they get heavily involved in drugs. That is a huge, huge, huge thing. As like you, I've seen, I think, a few, like, documentaries and or movies that are based around just, like, sort of the partying that goes on during Rumspringa and how many people, like, find it very hard to go back. There was a really good HBO documentary about it a few years back where – you just got to see these kids that were like, yeah, we went on Rumspringa and now I'm on fucking meth. Yeah. And like they never came home. They never came back. And because it, it's a lot to ask someone with no real education that in terms of like what we all formally have um, it unleashed into the English world, as they call it, which is also. Do you, and you watch Orange is the New Black, don't you? Yes. Remember Leanne? The, yes. One of them. She was Amish and that. She got hooked on the meth and then she is exactly like that is the reason why that actually that character is great is because I feel like they didn't start out with that for her. No, we never knew. No, we didn't know until like season three 
that that's when she, which I love because she's so, you hate her so much, and then you see her. That show and is her brilliant. brunette meth, friend, meth uh, head friend is from Boston, I think. Yeah, but we never get her full, we never got to see her backstory, which I wish we had before they, like, because she was so bad. But Both the reason are- why it's so great is because meth is an epidemic throughout this country, and, like, there are very few, like, holes in the in the world where meth really rocks their universe and, and in a way that it doesn't most other people. And I feel like in the Amish community in particular, I feel like meth is such a confusing drug to so many of us who live in the real world and know people that do drugs or have done and other is, drugs. Is meth, meth is all chemical. Right. Meth is yeah, chemical. Like I mean, it's all you saw Breaking Bad. It's like you have to fucking make that shit in a lab, and it's like a twelve person job, and it's why those houses blow up, and it's why people like it's basically you're cooking a variety of chemicals together into some form of something special. Did you inject it? I think you can snort it. I think you can inject it, snort it, inject it. I know that um, there's other ways. Smoke it. Okay. Yeah. And you can do, like, the same things that people do with, like, heroin, basically. And the reason why meth is so scary is because it's just, like, this – it's just one of those things that, like, people can also hide for a really long time. Like, you always hear those 2020 stories about the moms that, like, sprinkle meth into their coffee or whatever. And it's just, like – it's yeah, it's a suburban mom thing. Yeah. And, like, that I believe to be true. And by the time you figure it out, like, when you see those websites, like, Faces of Meth or whatever, like, by the time – it seems to me that by the time you figure it out for a lot of people, they're so far gone that it's not the obvious things. Like, they have a fucking crater missing from their face or they are toothless. Like, they're just gone. Yeah. That's really sad. It's so sad. Well, you guys, thank you for joining us for this uh, Patreon episode. And thank you for joining Nev Campbell on her ever-continuing acting journey i'm just so thankful when she chooses projects because she's fun i agree with you and you guys i will tell you i'm glad that we did this movie for patreon this is the perfect type of movie for patreon for me because i feel like if i was sentenced to this for a three-hour episode it would be a little bit tough yeah but it's great to have this on the because i know that so many of you guys out there actually really love this movie it's great to have this on the podcast on patreon with max in particular who's such a great guest and who knew like tidbits like this was a backdoor pilot yeah how did you find that out well you know one of my, like, you know when you go on the Wikipedia deep dives? Yeah. Nev, Cam- I, Nev Campbell is always someone I'm always checking up on. Mm-hmm. Seeing what she, you know, she was in that skyscraper with The Rock this summer and got, right. got back on Fallon, so I was happy for was her. Was she an ingenue in that? She or was, was his she... wife. Oh, okay. But That's she great. seemed like a badass wife, you know? And she was on House of Cards for a Ned while. Ned Campbell playing The Rock's wife, honey. That's great. That's good. I mean, that's really good for him. He should be so lucky. But also, like, that's, I let's just be real. No, that's like a good, that's a nice check. For a, for that was a older, nice check. For a woman who is not commonly, not to call her an older woman, for a woman who's not commonly on screen to play opposite The Rock. And play, and who play I think, the only female role in a movie. That's big good. Yeah. Anyone in, I think any woman in Hollywood would, like, even just jokingly in an interview, but actually in a real life want to play the rock's wife they'd be like oh the rock's wife it's like just a, yeah, a bit and, yeah and it got some nice good action but i mean you know she's got kids and she'll have she i'm sure she has the scream money and the party of five money what's the deal with the uh kids she has two i think with whom no one special i mean no one special to us i'm sure he's special is, is to her. she married yeah i okay. think or she has a long-term partner that's great i think he might be british or canadian or both yeah i think that she probably is sorry i just burped um it was like really loud inside my head. Um, 
Yeah, I think that it was. Uh, I think that she did probably get some good money from the Scream stuff. I wonder. She was a big name for the franchise at the time because Party of Five was so huge. Yeah. And what were some of her other biggest hits around that time? So she had she, a few. Fifty four. With Ryan Felipe. Remember, she's oh. the soap actress he falls in love with. Okay. She's in Drowning Mona with Bette Midler. She's in my personal favorite movie she ever did was The Company. It's a Robert Altman movie where she right. plays the ballet dancer. Because Neff Campbell trained as a dancer. She does have that very, like, um, she, her face is very slight. Like, she has that very, like, pretty, um, she has a very almost, like, Natalie Portman, like, look, where she has that pretty yeah. slight little face where and it's just, like, you have that perfect acting face, but it's here nor there. Like, yeah. there's nothing distinguishable, which is – I always like in an actress because, like, a Rachel McAdams, it's, like, you just put a new hair color on that. Yeah. And that's a different person. That's and if great. the acting is there, then it all – it's, like, you have a full fucking career. Do you remember The Witches – The Craft? Nev Campbell's first movie, I think, was okay. The Craft. So then there you go. So, like, so – because I was sitting here wondering to myself, yes, I think Scream, she probably did well on that, especially if she had back end. Which I would Which assume, by the last one or two, I'm sure she did. Well, by Scream 2, she definitely did. Because Scream 1 was a monster. Yeah. And then but, 2 was huge, too. And, but, like, then... And then I have to also... And then to get her back for 4... Oh, my God. And Wild Things. Uh, her bet wild wild with Denise So she Richards. has some, like... She has some good... Um, you know, her toes in the sand in a really good way. But it's even some, like, you know, even some people, I think Jennifer Love Hewitt has probably done very, very well in her life, but she's also had probably a better career in a lot of ways than a Nev Campbell. And I do wonder, like, is she set for life? Well, I feel like I would say Jennifer Love Hewitt's more set for life because not after Party of Five, she had Ghost Whisperer for five or six years. No, Jennifer Love Hewitt for sure is better set for life because she had also... She had Client uh, List. While You Were Sleeping, she also had Can't Hardly Wait. She also had... She, Jennifer Love Hewitt has had a huge fucking career, but yeah. I would say that, and that they TV are probably... And Criminal Minds. Right. She's got that TV money, which is... Sol- I feel like, you know, you're on a show for a couple of years. You can make a nice little I'm going to look up Nev Campbell's... Because um, it's hard to tell, because also Jennifer Love Hewitt had the music career. <gasps> Been naked and I can't, can't take it. it. I'm not feeling anymore. Yeah, and also she was um in the LF... LFO video. Ne- um, and the Enrique, uh, the Enrique Iglesias video. I can be your hero, no, baby. No, Anna Kornikova. No, that's, isn't it Jennifer Love Hewitt where he crashes the car? No, because they dated for years. Anna Kornikova. But she's and- in it, or Enrique Iglesias. Okay, video. wait a minute. Hold on. Enrique Iglesias. Hold on. And you know, the, my Enrique favorite. Oh, and Jennifer Love Hewitt, Heartbreakers. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Heartbreakers. Underrated her in Sigourney. Heartbreakers. Yeah, I know you talk about this, but like, I don't think that America is ready for feels it. that way about it. I just thought it was so clever. I love Sigourney in that, and Jennifer Love was so fun, and Jason Lee, who I'm usually not much for, was cute. I I agree with you that there's like, um, I think that I said to you, this to you the other day. I feel like America has to have its moment with Heartbreakers which was critically panned at the time and not really loved in the box office, I think that it needs to have its resurgence moment the way that something like Jennifer's body is having now. Um, To put it generously, the way that First Wives Club is having it now, I don't think it will have that moment because that is such an iconic film. But I do think that Heartbreakers, people need to make way for it in their heart because it was a great movie and people just start remembering it. It was one of those things that it just kind of got, I remember it being massively critically panned at the box office, which sucked because I wanted Jennifer Love Hewitt to have any win she could because I loved Can't Hardly Wait. I loved 
party of five. I still I know what her. you did last summer. I loved her. Yes, I loved her and all that I know what she did last summer movies. Um, and she was really having that moment that Sharon Michelle Geller was having, but I never really cared about Buffy. So I remember really rooting for her to have this great movie. Um, but it just didn't like line up. And and I think it was really critically panned. And I'd love to see it go through the same treatment that sort of Jennifer Jennifer's body just went through, where people are realizing that it was much further ahead of its time than it ever was. And now it's having this great I mean, I feel like we're probably closer to a Jennifer's body remake than we are to Heartbreakers oh, in yeah. some ways. So we got to push this forward. This will be our movement. Let's get this going, Nacho Experts. Let's get Heartbreakers back on the charts. Yeah. Let's get it back in the media's eye and on America's mind. Yeah. Sigourney. Um, I'm going to really look up, really quickly look up Nev Campbell's uh, net worth. Yeah. Know her net worth. Oh, yeah. Do you trust those that Google search network? No, it's always wrong. I always... Um, Mentally, right? Uh, sorry, I always mentally round up and down um, ten mil. Oh, really? Yeah, like I give it like a, I give a five to ten mil. I give it like a five mil buffer, like up or down. So, if someone says they have seven million, you would really think they have what two? Um, no, if someone says they have seven million, I would think they have anywhere from three to ten. Okay. You know, yeah. like it's just like sort of a little like mental scale. So. Nev Campbell's worth ten million, according to this. I would assume to me that means like she's worth five to fifteen, and that's also like these is that people, with like assets and money in the bank? Well, no. Like this is literally this is these are these people making guesstimates. Yeah. Like there's no no one reports what Nev Campbell made in interest. No yeah. one's recording what she made in interest on her, her Morgan Stanley account. Like yeah. no one knows what she's what apartment building in Arizona she's she renting owns. out. Which, by the way, is what all the smart people in this build business and all this building. Yeah, don't they buy businesses business out of state? Is it it's to buy units. Everyone yep. always says buy units. That Can I ask is why the, buy units? Because it's the easiest turnover money. Like if I were to go so in a weird way, like I almost in a weird way I've thought about like lately, I'm like, should I just like sell my house, buy a condo in LA, and then take that extra like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and buy like a sixteen unit apartment building in Arizona. Or storage. You know what I've always wanted to be? No, no, no. The, well, the, okay, yes, yeah, storage. But the reason why to go for units is because there's a monthly turnover. Mm. You get that year down. Yeah. Okay. Like any sort of like thing, it's a guaranteed. If you fill sixteen units at a certain rate. And then you raise it every year. And then if people leave, you started them at a new rate. And like, it's, it's a very, very smart business to be in because it's like, you automatically get that mortgage paid for that space every single month. Um, what were you going to say about storage units? I've always had a fat, a dream. If I ever made enough money, I want, um, because I know plenty of people who've invested in storage units, you know, those like they'll do 40 or 50 or 60 or even a couple hundred yeah. and they're always full. And they're the easiest things to maintain, like just those stoked because people have right. Shit, you don't a bunch have of to like that. And I've always wanted to pick a pine. Them. I've always wanted to pick a pine at Christmas time. What's a, oh, like Christmas where trees? people go and cut their trees down because that's something year in year out. Yeah, people make money, make room in their budget. Holiday money is not a joke. Like I, I would love to get in Halloween money. Three weeks in, well, at least two. Yeah, I spent two weeks in Ocean City, Maryland, um, with my ex, and like I will tell you. That, like, those people make all of their money in three months of the year, and then the rest of the year is just, like, Jamaican vacay. Like, they are – 
And they have a blast during the summer. It's like, you know, you're drinking like boozy slushies at like 1 p.m. Yeah. And you shut down your like airbrush station or your peanut shop at 3 p.m. Yeah. And then you're just out. But like you've had a whole day of selling airbrush t-shirts or peanuts or fucking whatever it is you do on the stand, t-shirts, whatever. And then you go live your life and you make hundreds of bucks every single day, which for those rent prices that they have there is very, very little. Oh yeah. And, um, it's just, it's a really, really great, it's a really great thing. And so basically I think those seasonal things are great for making money. I feel like that's also like nuanced investing. Like, I feel like you got to start with something like, okay, I got 18 units out in Arizona. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, but now I'm, I'm like invest. I bought a land that's tra- technically like a Christmas tree farm in like Gainesville, Texas. And then people go in and cut down their trees or like, I've opened up a little like seaside shop or whatever. But those would, are like, those would are. Do you ever want a franchise, like a subway franchise? Apparently like, okay. So I had a friend in, from college who put a bunch of money into buying Dunkin' Donuts out in LA. Um, Because we're from Mass. We're both from Massachusetts. And before they came to L.A., like, officially, he bought, bought like, five franchise opportunities so that when – as soon as L.A. was ready to clear the market, they would have five. And, like, I'm pretty sure that that guy's set for life. Yeah. And another, like, huge, huge moneymaker is, like, a 7-Eleven, which is obviously, like, that's, you know, in our culture of, like, how many people come to this country and start 7-Eleven or how, like, those – those are so often run by people that, like, honestly, your average American outside in, in most major cities, especially coastal cities, don't think, oh, like, I'm a fucking white guy. I should buy a 7-Eleven, which maybe is probably the best way. Mm. Um, but, like, most of the, like, you know, big chain stores that are owned by people that I know of or, like, Domino's that are owned by, like, you know, a white guy that owns, like, 150 Domino's or, like, some guy in the middle of the country or it's like a family that owns one seven eleven and like they've literally built up their whole family. They're gonna be set for life because of this seven eleven, but it was just them investing on one. It's so interesting to see how people do these franchises. Oh yeah. You know? Would you ever want to do one? You know, unlike the storage units, I just the problem with a franchise, and this is like with business in general, do you really want to be responsible for all the additional you know, if you own a storage unit, it's like you hire two people like security. Well, to that I was gonna say actually, even when you mentioned this, because like right away my thought that went to the storage unit was like at least if it's a home, you would hope that that person is like keeping a monochrome of like decency about their space. But mm-hmm. with storage units, I mean, there's a reason why it's called storage wars or, like, a yeah. reason why whatever. It's, like, it's a very thuggy area. Like, it can turn into really bad shit fast. Like, people leaving stuff behind. Yeah. People basically creating a crime scene. And, like, yes, you can wipe your hands clean um, legally as an owner at a certain certain point, for sure. But I feel like almost in a weird way, it's, like, it's, like, I don't know. What about a car wash? I mean, that's what they do on Breaking Bad. Oh, is that what they did? Yeah. I mean, I'm breaking bad. Like the whole um, situation took place around like he started off working as a teacher that was like part-time at a car wash, which by the way, all teachers have at least two or three jobs in America. And I don't know when this will go up right now, but I will say to all people in the LAUSD, like I'm right here for you. I support you. I am um, a family. I'm from a family of all teachers. My Aunt Mary has taught for Boston school districts for 35 years. 
um, amazing, amazing teacher. And my grandmother was a teacher. My grandfather was a professor. I fucking love teachers. They are the most crucial, essential people to our society. And I'm with you right now, no matter where you are, if you're in it or on the other side of it, God bless you. And if you want to drop off 35 to 50 kids a day in my house, I think that I'd be willing to take that on right now. Yeah. This seems like something I could do. You Uncle Max it. will come over and, yeah, and Wags. craft and oh Wags will be in the mix. Interpretive fucking, dance. No, Wags will get me sued if I'm if I'm babysitting fifty toddlers in my basement. But you guys, I love you so much. Love you God guys. bless. We're gonna wrap thank this up. Thank you so up. much for having me, my queen. Yes, thank you. I love you so much. I gotta go to bed. Love night you. night. Bye, Bye you guys. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to season four of Mother May I Sleep with Podcast. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.